Welcome to Products of Grace, a podcast by Mercy Hill Church. My name is Don Terrell, and with me today, I have Blake McCullough. So, Don, what are we uh, doing today? Again. Okay. <laughs> so, yesterday. Uh, that fateful day. <laughs> Blake and I recorded, I think, like a 48-minute conversation. Mm. Well, we recorded half of a 48-minute yeah, conversation. So, the only mic that got picked up was mine. Mm. And so we're back today <laughs> to re-record the Don and Blake episode. Mm. And by good providence, Lawson's here. He's back from the dead. Good times. So yesterday my intro was... It's only right and reasonable that we have a podcast without Lawson. Mm. And Products of Grace contacted Blake and I and extended a special invitation <laughs> after hearing about all the gallivanting, the circuit, the podcast circuit that Lawson had been on. <laughs> the podcast side pieces. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That we have, we've not even, we don't even know when he does it. Yeah. He just like sneaks off and like, <laughs> does so these podcasts. He does, and he's the like, window of the so anyways, the other day I was on the uh, such and such podcast with my good friend so and so and him and him. And it's and like, him and him. <laughs> him and he It's like, why can't we go? Yeah, like you don't even take into account how it makes us feel. <laughs> I know it. I mean, <laughs> I'm really sad that this didn't get recorded because I'm sure this was way more fun without me here. <laughs> no. I, 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 it's debatable. Yeah. <laughs> It's going to get better, too. So, speaking of other people's podcasts, there's a new podcast that I want to be on. Mm. And uh, it's Sweet Sweet Man's podcast. And the the podcast is, it's a telemedicine podcast in which, um, in which his wife gets text, random text, mm. And it has to be just one complete sentence, which spells out the symptoms of the person that's texting. And she, in turn, has a gift hmm. where she immediately is able to telemedicine diagnose them with what their ailment is. So this may be a HIPAA violation, Lawson. <laughs> but Lawson was sick yesterday. Hmm. And that was the reason that he and was the day before the whole the whole yeah. household. That was the reason why he wasn't at the podcast yesterday. We recorded the one we recorded half of it. That will never see the light of day. It was so sad. Blake and I had a fantastic conversation. We really did. It really did. <laughs> um, so we're gonna we're gonna play a little game on the podcast that I want to be on, which <laughs> is so Blake. Here's. Here's the symptoms. Okay. Stomach issues. All right. What does this person have? <laughs> it's a difficult one. <laughs> um, is it like a lack of hand washing ability? I don't know. Oh my god. I mean, so I think like right right away that would be an easy one to diagnose, right? You said yeah. like stomach issues. Well, it's like normally if someone is sick on a telemedicine podcast they're not going to write in because they ate greasy tacos right, right? yeah or ate a baked potato right it's gonna be <laughs> that's a bad trash. chicken it's gonna be a stomach virus yeah that's fair all right so but so i think to add a flavor like of 
like how how sharp are you really in diagnosing? Yeah. Is the second text would be, but why does it always happen? <laughs> right? I mean, and I think this goes back to a prior episode. Okay, this if I was the if I was on this podcast and these were the text messages I was getting mm-hmm. on the telemedicine, can we name it podcast with Sweet Sweet Man and Sharon? Mm. Then why don't we defend their names? Why do we only <laughs> block out the men's yes, names? It's fantastic. Okay. <laughs> All right. So it dates back to a prior episode when mm. when Lawson said he does not believe in paper towels. You don't believe in paper towels. And he went on to say he only uses rags. Mm. So Blake, what's the biblical definition of rags? I feel like rags are always mentioned as being filthy <laughs> in the scriptures. You can be way more explicit than that, to be honest. What? This is a family podcast. Yeah. We didn't give a disclaimer at the beginning. <laughs> so, <laughs> dear saints, shower this man with some paper towels. No. <laughs> when you see him next, go to the Sam's Club. You buy, you buy what? I mean, you don't buy a sink. Who buys a single pack of paper towels? No one. No one. Literally no Every one. Every saint at Mercy Hill has... The Costco package. Yeah, you got like nine. Rolls. You buy one, it comes with 12 <laughs> rolls, and even those 12 rolls equal 85 rolls. <laughs> I buy them so big, they don't even go on the spindle. <laughs> you got to use them down. You got to use like 10 of them. Yeah, I on sent there. Sweet Sweet Man a picture. <laughs> it was a paper towel with the spindle... <laughs> Like, you know, it goes to the middle, but uh-huh. then there's another, like, where the tear-off bar uh, on the yeah. side of the spindle, it was jammed through the middle of the paper towel <laughs> roll, so you couldn't move it. <laughs> it was like a picture of pure panic. <laughs> he takes me back, and he's like, sad life. I go, I, if that happened to me, I would be, like, literally just tearing chunks of the roll off. <laughs> Y'all, if people walk up to Beth and hand her paper towel rolls... <laughs> she doesn't listen to the podcast. She's gonna have no clue. We didn't ask her to bring him, ask him to bring him to Beth. We we want him. Yeah, we want you to have him. Uh, we well, want you like for the next few Sundays to leave with just a couple of gifts. I mean, there's people always every Sunday giving gifts. In church life, I think Julie gave that a love out this offering. past Sunday like Stop a couple it. of pottery birds, and yeah. ladies are always giving gifts. So I just think like like we should start it. I'll start it. Just come with a roll of paper towel. Put it in a gift bag, and that way he knows exactly what it is, but he can't open it until he leaves. You know someone's going to be like, open it, what this is This was it? a really brief bit yesterday. We did not speak. Did not I even said, out like this. I even said, I said, with Lawson not here, we have to be careful that this doesn't come oh, across Oh, so because as, I'm here, it's, it's... No, it was like, well, yeah. we didn't want to say anything that we hadn't said before about you. Yeah. Like, yeah, with, yeah. You're not here to defend yeah, yourself. Yeah, it, it comes across as like, yeah, like we're... He's gone, we're Ganging taking up shots. on you. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. It doesn't feel that way right now. Not at all, ever. I never feel that way. <laughs> There's never a time in this relationship where I think, oh, man. I mean, content creates itself. I don't it know does. what to do. It does. <laughs> You couldn't come to missional community because he was sick. I was like, sad. I really was sad. I, so I, much like, got missed. I was really sad because it's one of the it's one of the times that I get to go and not be the one who preached. Oh, and so yeah. it's way I I enjoy those way more. Mm. Hey, we could make that happen more often. And just a preaching calendar. <laughs> we have a preaching calendar. 
It's in my head. <laughs> Floating around it's in the safe. Cloud. You just say it's in the cloud. It's safe. It's in the Mercy <laughs> Hill cloud. <laughs> you know, like a cloud service, like your head. But is you are the cloud. The cloud. Goodness. Yeah. Welcome back, Lawson. You're still cloudy. Glad you're at sixty percent. I'm good. You're good. I'm at a What's solid in your ninety. Cup? Water. No coffee today. I haven't had coffee in two days. He's not back yet. No. All right. Um. So, speaking of paper towels and filthy rags, <laughs> the Thomases had Julie and I over for dinner, and Crystal said, "I hope you don't mind, but all we have is paper towels." Mm. <laughs> Why is that an apology? That's the primo experience. Indeed. Never. Like Lawson, if I come to your house and you throw a rag at me, <laughs> I wouldn't give you a rag. Like all I have is eating. a rag. I'm sorry. I would say, yeah, you should apologize because what you ought to have. <laughs> 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 Thank you, Drew and Crystal, for having paper towels. <laughs> I, never I feel love. That, like apology for having paper towels. Yeah, for paper products. Like, why do we apologize for paper <laughs> products? Like, if I, you hand me a plastic fork, a paper mm. plate, and a paper towel, like I'm. This I'm person values their place. time. They don't want to spend yeah. an hour doing dishes. Yeah. Or as long as at the same time you slash laundry. A steak. I mean, you The plastic give, knife with a steak. If you have me over for trouble. steak, I don't care what I have to cut What's it with. What's the best paper plate you can eat on? Like brand? Yep. There's like a Chinette? Yes. Yeah, bro. It's real life. It's amazing. I would eat a steak on the Chinette platter. Yeah. You yeah. know, like the yeah, oval one? one? Yeah, yeah, for yeah. sure. No, no, I'm talking about the knife. Oh, this like the steak. Yeah, like, like a plastic knife would. Oh yeah, yeah. Give me Boy. a. I mean, you could do it camping style. I just pick mm -hmm. it up at that point and just go hand For to sure. mouth. Yeah. Good thing I had some paper towels. <laughs> Wash up first. <laughs> I'm glad I came in today. <laughs> Speaking of hand to mouth, right. we just recently hung commercial paper towel dispensers <laughs> and soap dispensers <laughs> and baby changing stations here at the church. Mm. And you can now change a baby, Blake. In four different places. You're welcome. In this space. Blake called them a genre. If you're four? of the baby changing genre. Yep. What's so the there's fourth? one baby changing diaper furniture station in, in the, the children's in area. The then we added one in the children's bathroom. Oh, gotcha. Okay, there's yeah. one in the women's bathroom in the women's stall, and then there's one in the men's bathroom in the men's stall. Got mm -hmm. it. Four places. Four Blessings. places. And because you have now access to what seems to be an unlimited amount of paper towels and soap here, mm, plus four places to change your baby. It's all about outfit. keeping you and your baby fresh. Fresh. Okay, speaking of fresh... This should be fresh on Blake's mind mm. because this most recent Sunday, I think that's generic enough to say No, it's it. not. How dare you? Because then it was like, always when I listen to podcasts and somebody gives like a date, I'm like, oh man, I'm out of the loop. Yeah. Don't you feel that way? You're like, oh, I'm way, like I don't even want to listen to this because like yeah. I'm so far, this is like from 2019. Yeah, I only feel out of the loop when I'm going back and binging. But yeah. yeah. So I like to keep it generic. So this past Sunday, this past... Well, this past Sunday is really specific, but a Sunday in the it? past. You said you said the most recent the most Sunday, recent which Sunday. is very precise. I don't know. That seems kind of generic. Okay. I can pretend. Blake preached, <laughs> and 
it's fresh on your mind. But what exactly does that idiom mean? Fresh on your mind? We talked about this yesterday. And we never got to an answer. We never got to it. <laughs> it was like, is it because the bread is moldy? Oh. The cheese is turned? That's graphic. The rag is mildewed? Yep. It needs to be washed. It's beyond this. Uh, what was the other ones that we had? Uh, fresh on your mind. We thought about like fresh. So in the positive sense, like fresh bread. Mm, fresh coffee. Yeah, that's what you said. That's a coffee, yeah. He said every time he thinks of fresh, he thinks of coffee. I get that. You get that It's important to me. It's fragrant. Uh, it's making its way through like every room. You can tell. Yeah, I get that. Fresh coffee. Yeah, I'm for that. <laughs> but how does that tie into it's fresh on your mind? It's it, it, that's why the that's why the fragrance matters. Because mm. if you're if you, if you roast if you're roasting or if you're brewing coffee, it's every room. Every room has that glorious glorious fragrance. One second, sorry, I have a phone call. Oh my goodness, my bad. We are a professional outfit. I I declined it. Who is I have, it? I have no clue. This is normally where I'd answer it, but. I'm not going to. Sweet. You had no clue and you would answer it? I answer all the phone calls I don't know. Oh. What a life. If I see it. All right. So, <laughs> with that, Blake. So, with that, gentleman. <laughs> <laughs> Forgot Lawson was here for a second. <laughs> Let's freshen up. Mm. What does that mean? Stay fresh. Stay fresh, son. <laughs> what does that mean? Let's freshen up. Get yourself clean. Get yourself clean. Get yourself mm. smelling right. Smelling right. All right, but what does toy type mean? I heard that on the last episode. Huh? Somebody said toy tight. I was like, yeah, we were around tables like super tight, and somebody said tight, like super toit. tight. Oh, toit. I, I picked that up from Bo. People. It's a new one for me. <laughs> so he said toit. Toit. I thought it's she just said like, toy tight. It's just like when you're... You know, trying oh, to be yeah, extra, yeah. extra exasperating tight. how yes. tight it was. I got you. Yes. All right. But before we freshen up on what was a super fresh sermon, let me ask you a few refresher <laughs> questions. <laughs> <laughs> Lawson, what are you doing on your phone? I got to call them back. Who is it? It's Gateway Tires. Is your car there? Yeah. What are you getting? <laughs> We're gonna talk about this. Uh, so I got. Doesn't some. Gateway Tire have a jingle? Gateway Tire. We're going. We the go, go the distance. distance. We, we go, go the distance for you. That's you owe us some money, Gateway. I'm calling them back. Y'all keep going. <laughs> okay. All right. So, how did you get here? Hmm. That was my question. Yeah. So think about. Let me set the set the table here. Hmm. So when you think about Blake on the journey of becoming a husband or a father, right? I, I think of I think a lot of my life in like, you know, in a narrative, right? Like mm -hmm. and and you think about when people say like your life flashed before your eyes, right? Mm -hmm. Like the whole thing didn't. Like you didn't recall yeah, 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 every yeah. breakfast that you ever had. It was just those real big moments that made lasting impression on you. Mm. And so I was thinking about like if someone as we grow as a church, you know, I think it's always you know, I wonder what someone that's entering in as a guest or, you know, they don't really know hmm. 
the person. Mm-hmm. You know, we hope they know the God who we proclaim, mm-hmm. and that is who we proclaim. But I was thinking about, you know, who, you know, what's that? What's that narrative like? You know, moments that have really molded or made you, if your life flashed before your eyes, the man that's in the pulpit. Hmm. Cover hmm. that. Yeah. So I, from I, even like a young age, I thought preaching was interesting, and I think it was probably because my grandfather was a pastor. And I, I watched him preach, and so, like, my mom has memories of me, like, standing on a chair at Kinko's saying, Jesus died for your sins while my parents were... <laughs> what were y'all doing at Kinko's? They were making coffees, because uh, my dad was a music minister, and so he was making bulletins, uh-huh. which, uh, you know, we, we wouldn't we wouldn't know about here, but, right. you know, little papers to tell you mm-hmm. your liturgy or whatever. Um, and so... And then I have like these memories of like being a little kid and preaching using like a suitcase in my bedroom as a really? as a pulpit and like preaching to my stuffed animals. Nice. Uh, from like a one of those little green Gideon's Bibles. Um, and so like that was always something I thought would be cool, but it was always like, yeah, like I'll either be a preacher or I'll be like a, you know, I was like seven, like a professional baseball player. Like we'll figure out one of the right, two. Right. Um, it we'll was come always, to a while. Yeah, like it was kind of like a, a <laughs> you know, one of those things that was just like, this is my dream job, you know. Um, but as I was converted and really was discipled, I, I kind of saw like the connection between preaching and love for the local church that I had never seen. Like I never made that connection before. And so I really fell in love with the local church. And that's kind of why... I really felt more actually called actually into pastoral ministry was because I, I, I saw, you know, the church and what shepherds got to do to lead and to love the church. And so that kind of got me thinking in those terms. And then when I went to college, I preached and really pastored at a church, a, a smaller church outside of town where I went to college at Delta State and uh, really got to like cut my teeth like in the rhythm of preaching, but I wasn't, I wasn't really myself, um, in, in the sense of I was kind of molding who I was into who I thought that maybe like the, the people in the congregation, many of them were older, like what mm-hmm. they thought a pastor should be mm-hmm. or would be. And so I didn't really like develop an, my own preaching voice. I felt like mm-hmm. until, um, later on like when I was in student ministry and then even here, I, when when we first started coming to Mercy Hill, funny thing is, like, I preached the first Sunday we came to Mercy Hill. Lawson was supposed to be gone, and then he wasn't. Mm-hmm. He called me, like, on Thursday. He was like, by the way, I'm going to be there. And I was like, oh, my goodness. Like, <laughs> I don't want to do this anymore. <laughs> um, and so even then, it was like, you know, Lawson has his style. And I think at first I was like, I need to match Lawson's style. Mm. And so... You know, just through, like, becoming comfortable here, mm. you know, in the first few months. And, like, even as, you know, we have grown in, in you know, in this body, like, mm. I think the Lord's been faithful and I've kind of found a preaching voice that I think is my own voice. Mm. And I feel like is being true to who I am, mm. like, not trying to be somebody else. Mm-hmm. Um, and so that's been a gift of serving here. Mm. I don't know if that's what you're asking. No, it is. Um, and and you education wise, like 
you said you preached while you were in college. Where did you go to college at? Went to Delta State University. Come on, fighting okra. Home of the fighting okra. And then after I graduated there, I went to Southern Seminary for three years. Got an MDiv. Um, I told you Sunday. I will be specific. Before he <laughs> preached in the pastor's <laughs> parlor in the Hobbit Lounge. <laughs> Honestly, like in the bathroom lobby. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> in the watershed. <laughs> the watershed. It literally it's, it's, is. Y'all literally, it's just like a small little room right before a bathroom. <laughs> and maybe the bathroom might even be bigger. It's not too much smaller. <laughs> just to be honest. <laughs> Um, if it wouldn't be weird, you could just blow out the whole wall, <laughs> and it would look like a prison. <laughs> like a prison cell. <laughs> <laughs> Have another notch for your wall desk yeah, and yeah, a yeah. pallet. Yeah. <laughs> Literally. <laughs> Anyways, um, I told you Sunday. So for those that, and I think a lot of people don't know, so this is part of the purpose of the episode today. Is that you know we we meet uh, every Sunday about nine thirty, and we spend fifteen minutes fifteen minutes going over the sermon, and then the other. I was going to say we spend fifteen minutes talking wrangling about cats. stupid stuff. And normally, I spend those fifteen minutes trying to get us on topic. <laughs> Except for when I'm preaching, he's like, "Oh, I don't care." <laughs> <laughs> That's not true. I... <laughs> So I don't care about facts, Lawson. That's right. It's all that narrative. So this is helpful. Um, I think just to give people just a transparent look mm-hmm. inside, um, you know, our relationship. But we meet, we go over the sermon, and uh, so Blake, like I said, was uh, getting ready to preach, and we were he was reviewing kind of the sermon outline. I think is really the gist of it, making sure that there's no questions, there's no concerns, and it's not. It's not in a vacuum. I mean, normally there's been conversations throughout the week, mm. you know, via text, questions. It's just, there's interaction with the text. Mm-hmm. Um, but I stopped you. So you. You were getting ready to get into the notes, and and uh, like I'm, I'm, I do have a sense of humor, and I do let that out. But I do have like I think um, often I'll be the first one to cry. Mm-hmm. I'll be the first one to You're emotionally. Emotion tell you and I just that's just the way I am and so just like this this moment right thinking about my own uh you know journey mm. you know to hear and it's like you know when um you know obviously to come here um you know Lawson was the church planter is the church planter and so it's it's who you know it's who those that wanted to launch a church, you know, really rallied around mm-hmm. around and that's who was sent out. And so, mm. you know, my my vision, what I thought we would look like, you know, ten years was probably not not I mean, I mean probably you've lost and you've said that's not the vision. It wasn't a solo mm. it wasn't a solo expedition. No, it wasn't. You know, mm. it was obviously congregationalist, but also uh multiple elders yeah and so that was i don't know were you like holding that in your back pocket and Mm -mm. no i mean it was it was just a matter of time and it was yeah so i think like you know to hear lawson preach and to just watch him um 
be able to clearly and powerfully exercise mm-hmm. the gift that the Lord has apportioned to him um, has always been kind of, you know, one of those things in which, you know, was attractive and I think mm-hmm. brings people. And so for us as the elders to come together and form a relationship and, you know, it just was a moment where it was like, I, re- I recall, you know, being able to look back in the past and say, you know, and this is what I express. It was, it was a moment where it was like, you know, Hey, I'm at a place where I feel like what I'm feeling is what the congregation hmm. might have some insight in, which is like, I've come to a place where I joyfully and willingly look forward to listening to you authori- authoritatively hmm. teach and preach hmm. and, and really anticipate that, you know, where it's like, and that was just like, it's such a, I don't know, it, not, not that it's new, but I think it was just like a moment where it was like, yeah. when I think about your journey into the pulpit, I think like you bring a perspective to it, especially to Mercy Hill, like what led you here, but I also think like just to see the growth within the congregation. I was just giving you just some encouragement where it was mm-hmm. like, you know, that was a big moment for me, which I think speaks on behalf of the congregation in a sense. And so I shared this with my uh, missional community you know, just, we just kind of came up for air during the conversation on Sunday night. And I, I said exactly that. I said, yeah, stop Blake. He was kind of, you know, getting off into the notes. And I said, Hey, before you get any further, let me just tell you, man, I've just really, I've really had personal growth of glad submission and even joyful anticipation in hearing you preach. And I mean, like several people hmm. in the whole, the whole room, I'll, I'll just say the whole <laughs> room was the same thing. Like, hmm. you know, yes, like I, that's, that's been a, I think a blessing and unique growth Hmm. Um, so, you know, I was thinking about this, like I was thinking about growth and, and, uh, how growth is always, I think most evident, like more evident. And so this is, this is kind of like the analogy I was thinking through. I love spring because of the new blooms, Hmm. but it doesn't mean the flower is any less beautiful once it is established. Hmm. And so I was thinking about you know, just us as the people of God's kingdom and how he has apportioned the gifts to his people. And, you know, it's just, it's just interesting sometimes where you see the growth of an individual and it's just, it's captivating and it's beautiful, but it doesn't Mm. take away from those gifts that God had given to the church that had already been there and been Mm. well established. Mm -hmm. So refreshing, speaking of freshen up (laughs) on (laughs) what was a super fresh sermon, Mm. Let me ask you a few refreshing questions. Lost <laughs> looks like he's about to jump across the, he's like, the mic and just like maul you. Are you back from Gateway? Did Gateway hit you with a big number and you're no, sad face? I got to find a wheel lock. They didn't give it to me when I bought the Jeep, and so now I've got to figure out where to get one. Sweet. Good times inbound. Mm. It's okay. It's a fresh time that we're having right now. Super fresh. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So prior to you <laughs> preaching, there was some, I mean, you were laboring over um, like a, a one concept, obviously yeah. numerous, numerous concepts, but one in particular. Um, and you sent out a picture. Yeah. And it's kind of like, I showed this to my missional community. <laughs> and somebody goes, ah, oh, is that like on a whiteboard? I go, no, nah, man, that's a post-it note. <laughs> <laughs> so, 
Uh, the first bubble, if you will. So there's one bubble that has an arrow pointing to the next bubble, and these are like a picture of logical steps and an mm. end conclusion. So the first one is, and let me just ask you this, Blake, just for the people that are listening. What yeah. was the uh, title of the sermon, and what was the passage that you preached on? We just decided the title a second ago, which was, What Advantage Has the Jew? I think, and yeah. it yeah. was from Romans 3, 1 to 8. Uh, basically, after Paul has basically said the Jews are no better off right. for a whole chapter, then he says, what advantage has the Jew? What is the value of circumcision? And then you're expecting him to say nothing, but mm-hmm. he says much in every way. Mm-hmm. So that was kind of the the thrust of the sermon. And your sermon in a sentence was? That every, every mouth be stopped or something yep. like that. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. All right, so the first bubble says... God makes a covenant, and that covenant is do this and live, which leads us to the next bubble, which says the people break the covenant and thus are unfaithful, which leads us to the next bubble, says they didn't obey, so will they live, is what he promised false, which leads us to the next bubble. <laughs> and we talked about it. I, I I hate to keep referencing yesterday, but <laughs> it happened, y'all. It happened. It was such a... Glorious conversation. Well, we are a professional outfit. We are an imperfect outfit. Yes, certainly. Which leads to the next bubble. So I asked him yesterday, I go, I never understood what you had written. I thought it might have said, like, uncle. Or, (laughs) or, and he goes, I said, was that heck? It's heck no. (laughs) You know, I I saw it, yeah. That's just like my double negative. Like, that's just in my mind, the way I thought about it. that's fair. So it's heck no, God is faithful within himself. Is that uncle? Yeah, it's like, I don't know what that sounds like my students are like, what are you writing on your board? All right, so, <laughs> so you sent that out, and the the preface was, let me get back over here because I didn't highlight and copy that. Hold on. So it says the preface of uh, the heading of the picture that you text me and Lawson says wanted to send this to make sure I'm clear on the argument of verse three. So many different commentators disagree that I'm trying to make sure I'm clear in interpretation and presentation. Let me know what y'all think, mostly struggling with communicating why Israel's unfaithfulness would nullify God's faithfulness. Hmm. Um, yeah, I think like to preface that question, like I, you know, I think it's uh, like within MC we address that it's difficult to think like a thief. Mm. because I'm not a thief like in like in my career there's like these elaborate schemes that you see people pull and it's like goodness gracious if they would put that intellect and ingenuity to good (laughs) use my goodness the world would be a better place Mm. um and so the like the things that people pull off it's like I can't even comprehend sometimes like all the steps that they got to and so much the same way Mm. what was the I think it was somebody said, yeah, like a sweet, sweet man said, he said, it's hard for us to understand why it would follow that if they were unfaithful, that meant God would be unfaithful because we live in a Christian worldview where we just take for granted that God is faithful. Mm. And so it was just like, it was hard for me to get my mind into the worldview that would say God is not faithful because the Jews weren't faithful. Mm-hmm. Like I couldn't, I couldn't get my mind there for what, why that was logical. 
Yeah, so I think about things. So in this text exchange, I think about things in more macro pictures. And so um, as we were conversing, the three of us back and forth, I thought Lawson did a really good job about getting to the heart of the question, like framing it. Yeah. And so I, I highlighted that. I just wanted to share kind of what you text out, which is your original question is trying to understand the presumption that ethnic Israel would account their lostness as faithlessness in God. Why is that? Why is that their presumption? Yeah. Well, Paul's just deconstructed everything. That's the that, the reason it was an easy one for me is because I've spent the last three weeks dealing with the presupposition. Mm. Mm. So right in the midst of all this, I send a joke out. <laughs> Which that. is the normal operation <laughs> of these uh, of yeah. these exchanges. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's like, I said, like, so I mean, you're like, I imagine, like, you've got post-it notes all over the place, <laughs> like one stuck to your head. <laughs> Here's a pot of old coffee. It's cold. You're still drinking it. <laughs> and I said, brother, I love Romans. <laughs> Side of beef first thing in the morning. Anyone? <laughs> coffee with your 84 ounce steak. You know, if you finish all that steak, it's free and you get a t-shirt oh my god i mean that's like literally the depth of the text like yeah. it's a I, I was saying that to really come along and say there ought this ought to be laborious yeah 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 like they're they're i mean it is a weighty topic mm. pink says that scripture rarely rarely gives its yield to lazy men mm. oh say romans especially yeah <laughs> It's like you don't get to be lazy and plumb the depths. For real. Um, so I, I said that Israel's uh, unfaithfulness, well, I think you, you, Blake, you touched on Israel's unfaithfulness is assumed. Mm. But in a sense, and I, it does, it applies to all men. Mm. Right? Yeah. Because, you know, thinking about you know, this was like a conversation that we had at MC, Mitchell Community. And it seems to be like when God says, this goes all the way back to the garden. This is our conversation. Uh, Don't eat from that tree hmm. and you'll live. And the minute Adam essentially subjugates his authority, hmm. watches the woman not only eat it, but touch it. Mm -hmm. Right? 100%. And then... He eats, mm. and they both fall, mm -hmm. and he says to God, It's your fault. Your fault. This woman you gave me. It's your fault. So what would be, what would be, um, I, I guess the, the way I framed the question, like once I thought through it like that, I had texted y'all and said, so why does their unfaithfulness not in turn place real blame against God? Why is it not his fault? Fair question. I mean, that's what Paul's dealing with. Well, I mean, he'll answer it later on in Romans 9. Come on. Tell us, Lawson. Well, it's the God has the right over the clay, most certainly. Mm -hmm. But then secondly, he has mercy on whom he wills, and, mm -hmm. he has, uh, and he hardens whom he wills, and he has the right to do that regardless. Mm -hmm. And also, divine sovereignty is not in contradiction with uh, man's responsibility mm. at any point. 
It's like, for some reason, we've always placed those things at contradiction with one another. Spurgeon said, how do you reconcile man's responsibility and God's sovereignty? He said, you don't reconcile friends. Mm-hmm. And it's like, they're, they're not at odds. So have you unpacked any of this conversation that we had yesterday? And was there anything, Blake, that you, there was something that hit me and I wanted to, to share it with you. It was, and really we can talk about it, but it seems to be like they were disobedient to the law. Yeah. Right? Yeah. And they fail, but it says no one will be justified by the works of the law. Mm. For it's yeah. God who has mercy. Right. And he has mercy on whom he chooses. Yeah, yeah. But it's the obedience of faith. Yeah. So like, the obedience is what have you been obedient to? And so, you know, we talked about, you know, the, the has the call of the gospel gone out to mm. all men? Yes. Lawson? Define terminology. So if you move to Romans 10, it says their voice has gone out yeah. to mm-hmm. all the earth. Yeah. What is their voice? Excuse me. Who is their voice? And what is that proclamation? So are you speaking of general revelation at this point? I'm speaking of specifically, like, has the call of the gospel gone out to all men? I think in a sense, yes, and in a sense, no. Okay, what's the in a sense, no? Well, in a sense, like, the gospel has a true substance, which is the death, burial, and resurrection of Christ. Right. Which, so in a sense, it has gone out to the whole world based upon the fact that um, that he, he gives light to everyone mm. from John 1. Yeah. But there must be a proclamation of the gospel. Right. Right. From from the church, right? That's why later on in John ten, or earlier on in John ten, he says, "How can they believe unless they hear?" Mm. Yeah. So what was the? So there was a verse that helped you out around Israel's unfaithfulness, and it was it was the verse that uh, comes later in Romans. Uh, I think, and we had texted about it. It was about this uh, Christ was a servant, yeah, to the circumcised, to the circumcised and this yeah. was to show God's truthfulness. I, yeah. I, it, yeah, so like in my mind, I was thinking, I mean, you helped me through this a lot too in that text exchange of like, God is true, he, and he has proved his, his truthfulness in Christ and that Christ did fulfill the law. Mm-hmm. Like it wasn't a, a false covenant or a false promise. Like mm-hmm. Christ did fulfill the law and we now have, we have the share in that inheritance with mm-hmm. him. Mm-hmm. And so God wasn't lying. Mm. Uh, it wasn't like a weak promise. Mm. Um, for Christ is the end of the law to all those who believe. Mm. Um, so thinking about, um, thinking about further into our exchange, so is it fair to rhetorically ask it like, who are the true covenant people, who keeps the law, and who is counted as circumcised? Lawson, you're shaking your head. The people can't hear you shake your head. <laughs> I, I just like to point out in the text exchange, Lawson said, yes, sir. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. I'm actually trying to pull up the text exchange so that I can catch up. Because this was... Saturday. Yeah, fair to rhetorically ask. Yeah, because that ultimately is the... And I, I came back and gave this kind of basic outline, right? Like... Mm-hmm if we're looking at who are the covenant people and who keep the law and who is counted as righteous, those who are of the covenant of grace, those who are kept, those who have kept the law of faith and those who have been circumcised of heart, which has been his whole argument the whole time. It's mm-hmm. like there are there is a covenant people and many of those are Jews by ethnicity, many are not. And we talked about in the pastor's parlor 
the watershed. water watershed <laughs> prison keep, cell keep uh, with the pastor's parlor <laughs> and uh <laughs> like when we were when we were talking about that i totally just lost my train of thought um goodness gracious bro why do i keep doing this why do you keep doing this I'm going to let you sit with it. No, <laughs> then y'all go on. I was like mid-thought. You said we talked about this. I know, we had a full conversation Jesus about it. the flesh. In the pastor's part. Oh, yeah, thank you. Okay, so what we see what we see in Jesus' ministry, he keeps Spoken. putting people in the covenant and putting people out of the covenant. It's like, yeah. these people aren't supposed to be here, and he's like, no, they are. Mm. And then he looks at the people who are in there, and he calls them sons of the devil. Mm. It's like, they're not. And so there's this, like, just <laughs> cycle of I'm putting people in, and there are people mm. who you think are here that they are not, and the, and the, and the issue is like they have never been here. Mm. Yeah, yeah. Um, that reminds me. Does it? Yeah. So there was a correlating text that you used mm. for Paul's systematic argument, yeah. which was more narrative, right? It was more right. storytelling. It was Acts seven, mm-hmm. all of Acts seven. It's called Stephen's speech, right? What was there a moment that you correlated those two together? Like, what made the correlation? I really wish I could remember why I first went there. Um, I I really did think about Old Testament texts that like recounted God's faithfulness. Like, there's mm. you know, there's the Psalms. Like, there's several different places in the Old Testament where it's just like all in one chapter. There's just like a recounting of God's faithfulness. Mm. But I didn't feel like there were any that truthfully or told the whole story Mm. it's like our recording from yesterday like it's half of it which is god's faithfulness Mm. but it's not the other half which is israel's unfaithfulness Mm. and so then that's where i kind of landed at act seven because it really it's like over and over like god spoke to the people Mm. and then it's like and this is what you did Mm. and this is what you've always done which is just kill the prophets and Mm. you know ignore the, the truth so you 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 grabbed onto the 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 word the oracles of god and I thought it was really helpful that that the oracles were always making announcements. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And what were they announcing? Like, who were they announcing, right? Stephen gets to the end of his speech, mm. and he says, you're just like your fathers, yeah. who were always resisting the Holy Spirit and who were always hard of heart, you stiff-necked people. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and and really places them within a perpetual generation, like mm. within this narrative that Stephen goes through. Like I don't mm-hmm. know what you would call it. What would you call that narrative, Austin? I mean, it's a summary of redemptive a history. Summary of what? Yeah, the Exodus. Yeah, maybe anyway. The Exodus. So like that's what he's <laughs> recapping. It's like here's the Exodus in totality. Like Abraham was promised. Mm. There was a people born. Mm-hmm. They were enslaved for 430 years, and afterward God called them out. Mm-hmm. And he leads them into the wilderness. He led them mm-hmm. into Canaan. And then this is what constantly happened. And he said, he, he, he places that generation that's listening to him, uh, li- that, Stephen's, that is listening to Stephen, and says, like, you're, you're always hard-hearted. Mm-hmm. Like, you are the fathers. Like, mm-hmm. And it's just interesting because he goes back in the original argument that he starts with, and he addresses the entire, essentially, Jewish listener that would have been present mm-hmm. and calls them, like, essentially, listen, brothers and fathers. Like, mm-hmm. that's what he uses, which I think is, like, a really interesting category mm-hmm. that he uses to say... There are those that are hearing this message that are encouraged by it, mm-hmm. and then there are those who hear this message, and at the end, like, what do they do with Stephen? They kill him. They kill mm-hmm. him. 
So Lawson and I were sitting uh, listening to you, Blake, and we both like immediately, like like Lawson starts mouthing something to me, and I was like, I couldn't, I couldn't make it out. <laughs> <laughs> it was like I, he, he's going, Paul, Paul. <laughs> so yeah, Paul? in eight one, yeah, eight one, Paul heard the sermon. Paul heard the sermon. Hmm. It's wild. Did you did you realize that? No, like prior I, I, to well, preaching, I literally walked down, <laughs> went to the back so that if anyone wanted to come talk to the elders, and Lawson just looked at me and he said, "Paul was there." I was just like, "Man, we could have figured this out like an hour ago." I didn't, know, I didn't, I didn't think about it. <laughs> what an hour a conclusion ago. to the sermon! <laughs> yeah, I know it would have been. That was actually my thought. I was like, "Oh, what a good conclusion!" Like, ah! <laughs> yep. I'm so bad. But that's how that's how I feel every Sunday after I preach. One of you walk up to me and you're like, "Oh yeah, this." And it's like that was it's annoying. You could have told me that two hours ago. Side note: that yeah. always happens to me with a certain. I know sweet, you're sweet talking man. about. Yeah. And, uh, <laughs> he came up to me after and he was like, "I have three points." I was like, "All right, how many are going to be things I missed?" And there are all things I didn't miss. And I was like, "I love you, thank you." <laughs> <laughs> uh, so the other thing that I, I think we connected on after we connected on that Paul was there, yeah, which which is to me just fascinating that he mm. would have had this experience of standing in the crowd as a stiff-necked, hard-hearted individual mm. that that was pleased at the martyrdom of God's children mm. and would have would have I mean it's it to me I almost look at it and say in Romans two and three who best to stand in front of the the mirror and argue <laughs> mm. but Paul to Saul mm. right the mm. old man yep and he gets to the end of that argument in three what was the last verse you ended on eight eight so three eight and it says their their condemnation is just mm. I want to hit on two things there was a uh, in our missional community, and I think even in the pastor's parlor before we pre uh, before you preached, it was um, Martin Lloyd Jones had a quote about antinomianism. Mm. Cover that. Yeah, so he he basically argued that if your gospel can't be accused of antinomianism, then it's not strong enough. That you haven't preached it strong enough. In that, we often could be guilty of saying, "I've called it in the past a grease gospel." So mm. like. God says, I love you, but also you better shape up. Mm. Wow. Because I need a man. Oh, man. Oh, I see that. Oh, I get the connection now. I always thought you were like greasing the skids. Like, like he... greasing the elbows or I don't know. <laughs> so it's grease Elbow the grease. movie. No, the movie, yeah. So like. No, that's, what I, that's where I went. That's kind of how yeah. I think. That's why he said, oh, my God. Yeah. Because <laughs> I'm going to sing. You better, better shape, shape up. up the rest of the day now. Thank you. Because I that. need a man. Stop. <laughs> In my heart. No. Uh, anyway, we got a lot of singing on this episode. No, this one's right. for you, Bailey. Um, uh, I uh, yeah. So like, we could be guilty. I, I know for a fact. We talk about this in my missional community. In the past, I've been guilty of saying, "Yeah, like you're saved by grace, but like you better get your act together." Hmm. And and there's like a like you couldn't as- accuse that of antinomianism. But when we like we love the gospel of free grace given, mm. you know, and in the world doesn't like that. Cause mm. that, that's like I, I said yesterday, it's kind of become cliche to say that our, our theology is different from any other religion, but it's true. Like mm. there is no other system in which there is free grace offered. Mm. And so like there is this kind of like natural rebellion from, mm. from free grace, which is, you know, because they, the world sees it as foolish. Yeah. 
They see the cross as folly. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so I was talking to a, a brother after service, and we were talking about, you know, how the world approaches certain things, and it's like, you know, we're there's there's freedom in Christ, right? Mm. Therefore, there is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. But yet, mm. there seems to be even in our activities that the world takes pleasures in and they revel in and they sometimes do them in coarse abundance. It's like, it's like the the world looks at you and says, "Yeah, you're free to partake, but not like me." And so it's like there's this idea of like freedom, but yet God is holy. Mm. And even within that narrative that Stephen preaches, you know, it's it's there's a life marked by holiness, right? No doubt. And so there is there is a there is a walking in the Lord by faith mm. in which we do our works mm. in faith, and those works are fruits of the spirit. And so, mm. like, you know, I think about you know the argument that Paul's slaying. It's like I don't I don't think anybody in Christ looks at it and goes, well, now I've heard it said, now I have a license to sin. Mm. Right, so that grace would just abound. Right, and that's the real argument that the world is levying against uh-huh. him. That they're confused by that the actual new birth has taken place, and the Spirit will, in fact, bring to pass your sanctification. Mm-hmm. And that over time, it doesn't mean that we don't see sin. To say that you're without sin is to lie. But also, we would never preach sin so that grace may abound. Mm-hmm. Why is that? Why would we never preach sin that grace may abound? <laughs> it's hard to think like a thief. Because it's, it's hard contrary to, th- to the gospel. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's a good way to end up damned. <laughs> yes, exactly. I think that's yeah. what he says. Especially, Their condemnation yeah, is just. Yeah. <laughs> Especially as teachers who will be judged more harshly. Can you mm. imagine the guy that mm. says, go on sin, children? Mm. Mm. I don't... Mm-mm. So, um, kind of one of the latter points I wanted to touch on is that, uh, you know, so we had kind of an aha moment where it was like, Okay, Saul was there. Yeah, he would have yeah. heard it. It mm-hmm. seems like, it seems like he sees this narrative in such a way where he sees his place in it. Mm-hmm. He sees the old man in the mirror. Mm-hmm. And that's who he's arguing against, mm-hmm. which once was himself, and now he is new. Mm-hmm. And he's lifting this gospel up and saying, "It is a free grace. You know, mm-hmm. those who are called will in fact be saved." Mm-hmm. And he says, "Their condemnation is just." And I. I circled in my Bible, just condemnation, and I wrote, is yours. Mm. And I think that's like, that. that's a big aha moment in my own life to think about God's justice mm. and Christ's propitiation. Mm. And to me, like, the cry of the sinner is, I am justly condemned. If you remember the call to worship that we read, it was Psalm 95, maybe. Mm. And, and it, I remember saying, did you see me? Uh-uh. I looked at you and I said, you can't do a psalm. <laughs> I didn't know that they weren't off limits because we do call to worship and we work through the psalms. Right. And somebody plugged a psalm in like a month or so ago and I thought I thought that was against the rules. <laughs> I like, no. formulated yeah. these rules by yourself. <laughs> I was like, oh, so now psalm psalms are, is, psalms is just unlocked. Open season. Yeah. So I read, I read uh, David's brief recount of the Exodus. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And in the end, in the end, like within the prayer, like I didn't even like I, I didn't tie these two things together until after service. But it was like the prayer was that the cry of the sinner is that we are justly condemned. Mm. Like why why is that? Like why is that an imperative for the saint to acknowledge and uphold and continue in? You see what I'm saying? Like yeah. bearing fruit, keeping in repentance. There is this sense of. 
Like, I know that I am have been lavished with free grace, but yet, like, without, apart from Christ and without his sufficient sacrifice and his blood, mm. you remove that. Is there an argument for anyone against God? Mm. Lawson, of course, she's shaking. Not, no. There's no. So this, this leads us to maybe our final point, which is within our text exchange, the last bubble that you had is God is faithful in himself. Within himself, yeah. And we covered, it's like, I think a lot of times as Christians, like we, we talk about God's sovereignty, mm. but we don't, we don't really, I think sometimes we lower him in a sense to um, the level of, a, of, a, of how we are. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And it's like, well, I change. I can change my mind. My heart is sometimes torn between different things, mm. and sometimes these things are not good. But with him, it's like when we say he is God, it's like he has mercy on whom he has mercy, mm. and he hardens whoever he chooses to harden. So is God free in that to do as he pleases? And if so, why? Like, who is he in and of himself? Like, you said he is faithful in himself, but I want to pull out, like, you, you mentioned on Sunday some other aspects of who he is within himself, and so we as creatures have no right to judge him because mm. Paul answers back later in the argument who are you, oh man, to answer back yeah. to God? Why is that? Why can we not bring any charge against God? Because he's God. <laughs> and what does that mean? Like, I think sometimes, what does that mean? The judge of all the earth will do what is right. Because, he, he because is, who he is, is he? Because he is the sovereign one, the creator. He has right over the clay to do with it what he chooses. Yeah. Like, we uphold that he is light, and in yeah. him there is no darkness. Right. Yeah. So if he does anything, it is good. It's by, always good. By, yeah, it can't, yeah, it can't not be. It good. It flows from the source of all yeah. goodness. Like he, right. he said. Remember, Christ says there is none good. Yeah, only God is good. Yeah. Why do you call me good? Which is a big, a really important point that people miss because it's not like we scrutinize. I think maybe that maybe the better way to look at this is love. Okay. So um, I, I think good can be. I don't know. People can play with it in a subjective way, but but we have redefined love based upon based upon our understanding of it, mm-hmm. and then we go back to God and tell Him He's not loving, mm-hmm. and it's like no 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 He is loving, and the reason that you're looking at Him and you're saying that He's not loving is because you've bought a lie, mm-hmm. and the lie that you bought is that culture gets to dictate what love is. Mm-hmm. You look at the the God who is love, and then you allow that mm-hmm. to define what love is. Mm-hmm. But that'll get you in a lot of trouble nowadays. Well, I think for me it was like a big kind of eye-opening moment was in verse 7 where Paul says, but if through my lie God's truth abounds to mm-hmm. his glory, why am I still being condemned as a sinner? It's like mm-hmm. a lie is a lie because mm-hmm. it's the opposite of God's truth. Yeah, mm-hmm. And like it, it does not matter. God is going to get glory from literally everything. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, like he mm-hmm. He will get his glory. Mm-hmm. And so we, we have no way of arguing truthfully, logically, mm-hmm. that our evil should abound so that he can get more glory mm. um, because it is apart from who he is. Mm-hmm. Like it is, it is contrary to him. And even then he's gone back and revealed that it is wicked Yeah, and he gets glory through crushing the wicked. Mm-hmm. Right. And I think going back to the whole loving argument, it's like, Oh, well that's not loving disagree, mm-hmm. right? He's doing it and it is good. He is the judge of all the earth and he always does what is right. And he is expressing love, not in a feeble or frail way. Like we often interpret it but it is a perfect way mm-hmm. and it's better than anything that we can fathom. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, so perhaps our last point is God isn't faithless. 
the people he has placed in Christ from before the foundation of the world will be kept, those who are of the covenant of grace, those who keep the law by faith, and those who have been circumcised of heart. And this really comes back to, you know, Stephen's proclamation, right, mm-hmm. of those who were included and those who, those who cried, Abba, Father, and who were born again. You know, and I think about, I think about the testimony of Stephen and really the testimony of Christ, like even in his earthly ministry, mm. you know, he, he and Luke reveals, hey, there were certain people within Israel during this time period that had leprosy, take for example, and he says only Naaman was healed, mm-hmm. and he uses the widow woman, and he says there was lots of widows in, in the land of Israel, but there was this one widow, and he's pointing out that these, these examples are outside ethnic Israel, mm-hmm. the commonwealth, and yeah. yet they are full benefactors of God's mercy and patience and mm-hmm. grace. And it's like the people in that moment in time when Christ is saying these things, it says they grind their teeth, gnash their teeth, and seek to throw him off the mountain that he was on. Mm. And it says he just passes through the people. Mm. And so when you look at when you look at like what Stephen was doing, you know, and how now uh, the gospel right has, I mean, th- that's the gospel proclamation. I guess I wanted to touch on. Like, why is it that those people of ethnic Israel who are apart from Christ are offended by who the gospel redeems? And why is it that they seek to kill the true Messiah? And this really comes back to, you You touched on, like, within the, the time we spent reviewing the sermon, is those people had a faulty definition. Yeah. So what was, like, what, what did you expound on, like, through the faulty definition? So it seemed like there was, you kind of, you mentioned it being uh, a focus in on the flesh, which I thought was a, was a helpful mm. dis- distinction. But they did, they had a faulty definition of what a Jew, in fact, was, thinking that if they came physically from Abraham, then they were Jews. Mm. And if they were circumcised physically, then they were Jews. Or if they were, um, you know, if they had been given the law, that they were Jews. Mm. And even, like, we talked about some primary sources, like Justin Martyr and a couple of others, who said like a Jew can be as sinful as can be, but because he's a Jew, he'll be mm. counted and he will inherit eternal life. Mm. And it's just like how blasphemous, right? And yeah. and it's only according to the flesh, which mm. that's what they wanted. They wanted a fleshly kingdom and a fleshly king and earthly power. And um, and so when someone comes and says, "No, actually, you've got it wrong. Your father's got it wrong, and their father's got it wrong," and mm. all. Like, I can imagine that would prompt some, you know, let me pick up a stone and mm. rush at you, mm. you know, um, because they hated the truth. Mm. Yeah, I was watching, I mentioned this yesterday. Yeah. I was, like, watching a show, and it's, like, for entertainment, but it was about um, it was about the Orthodox uh, Jewish faith, and there was that comment in there. It was like, oh, yeah, those people, they're far from the community right now, but there'll always be a Jew, and no matter how their sin abounds, they'll always have inheritance and eternal life. Mm-hmm. And it's like, what? Mm-hmm. You know, so it's like, I, I think even now, like, that obviously perpetuates itself. Even today, it has always historically. My wife said within missional community, she said, well, isn't that how the Jew, apart from Christ, has always defined yeah. his heritage? I was like, yeah. According to the flesh? According to the flesh. Well, Sarah actually pointed out in our missional community, she was like, 
we think that this idea of like a nominal Southern Bible Belt Christianity is new. Mm. And like, it's the same yeah. false religion that the Jews believe. Mm. And I was like, sheesh, <laughs> you know, like it's just a physical, I'm, I'm among the people, mm-hmm. you know, I grew up here. This is my heritage, blah, 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 mm-hmm. blah. Like it's the same lie. Mm-hmm. Yeah. We cover that in ours too. There seems to be some semblance, right? Within Christian community where children are raised, right? And they're raised in the, you know, in the presence of the gospel and the presence of the gospel people. And, and it can, it, it, it can, you know, and I, I had been guilty of this, like, you know, vicariously living through other people mm-hmm. and not looking at my faith as to grow up, you know, grow up and cling to and actually lay hold of what is actually mine. Uh, and then proclaim that as as like mm. I have tasted and seen. You know, I think that's yeah. the reality. Is like that's the testimony of the Christian is I have tasted and seen. Let mm-hmm. me let me exalt this Savior, this strong Jesus who who is the bread from heaven, who is the living water, who is mm. the serpent on the staff, high and lifted up. And if you look at him, he is the God of all grace and mercy. And mm. so, please look, behold the gospel, believe, repent, believe, and lay lay hold of Christ. Yeah. And to me, it's like that's a it's like, well, what do I have to do? Believe on the gospel. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> well, what does that mean? Well, it means you're born again, and now mm. you're in the kingdom of God. Yeah. And it's like, you know, we've laughed before. It's like once you become this true Jew, it's like how do you explain it other than by faith? And mm. the world often looks at that argument and says that word is a cop-out. Yeah. Mm. You know, and that's the really, I think that's the sad thing, right, is that, it is, like you mentioned, Blake, so free, so easy, so light, but yet so difficult mm. to, to behold and see, for dead men cannot see what God hasn't shown them. Mm. And so like we touched on the last of that text was, you know, it's almost like, you know, that, that valley of dry bones in Ezekiel. Mm. He says, who can, who can make these dry bones stand up? It's like no one can no. until the Son of Man. Mm-hmm. And he says the Son of Man can, and he breathes the breath of life on them. Mm. And it says, and it stood up. And I love at the end of Ezekiel it says, and there was the whole house of Israel. Yeah, you know, which is just a it's mm-hmm. such a beautiful visual of mm. the power of the gospel that takes dead man, dry bones, no life in them, stands mm. them up, and clothes them, yeah. and makes them alive. So with that, I have a Bible verse in conclusion. Is there any other hanging thoughts? Lawson, I'm so glad you were 25% here. Blake, I'm sorrowful that we had to do it again. <laughs> you told me that it was y'all's episode. I sat here quietly and Why did you do that? You seem to be still a little bit weak in energy. Mm. No. <laughs> I mean, I'm probably not 100%, but probably it was y'all's not. episode. I'm just here. I Literally, I'm holding the recording board. Awesome. I also just want to say, like, the, it is a blessing to when preaching is not divorced from your local congregation, mm. like I, I just felt like I was brought to tears like three times on Sunday, mm. just, just because of the love that, you know, the Lord has given mm. among us in this congregation. Mm-hmm. And so mm-hmm. it's a joy to do that. And I think too, like it's a rarity, right? Like that's what I was addressing y'all with on Sunday is like, I really, I really am thankful to see what God has given me and what God has given y'all and that mm. together, right, we can 
we can contribute one yeah. to another. And I think it's both humbling and encouraging. And like yesterday, you said it's right. such a rarity. It is, yeah. Like, why it's is like that? Our sermons are like group projects, but like the kind where like one person does the majority and then like everyone else, like, right. you know, does some. Mm, and yeah. I, I appreciate that. Mm. Like, I, I don't, I don't know how I would do it apart, like how I did it before. Well, it's also sense. really comforting, and I think it removes some of the fears. Like, I'm going to get up there, and I'm going to proclaim the word, but I haven't had anyone look at this before I walk up yes. there. Yeah. Like, am I a heretic? And yeah, I just don't like, know? yeah, I mean, <laughs> you know. Yeah, and for real, it's like, I've been checked all week. Like, yeah. right, they know, no one said anything, or if they have, like, we've already addressed it. Yeah. Right, right. Yeah, and that's rare, and it's comforting. All right, so in conclusion, I have a Bible verse. The grass withers, the flower fades, but the word of our God will stand forever. Isaiah 40, verse 8. So I'd like to thank my fellow elder, Blake McCullough, for the time spent today, and Lawson Harlow for holding the soundboard. Blake, (laughs) stay fresh as a daisy, my brother. My brothers and my friends, Godspeed. Stay fresh.